Hi, this is John Cackley with Centric Biz and Tech Talks. Today I'm talking with Naila Chauncey and Mike Soraka about cloud adoption. What is it? What does the future hold in store for it? And what gives you the best chance of success with it? Love to hear a little bit more about uh, who you guys are. So my name is Naila Chauncey, or Nai. I am an OCM person. OCM stands for Organizational Change Management. Um, I like to think of it as, as reputation management. So it involves things like you know, communications, engagement, making sure that our sponsors know what we're talking about as far as where the project is going. But it's really about managing the reputation of a given project like cloud. Great, great. And Mike, tell us about yourself. Yeah, hi, I'm Mike Sroka. I'm a solutions architect. I work for Centrix Modern Software Delivery Practice. I am more of the technology side of things. So I work with people like Nye and, and project managers and implementing cloud adoption projects and technology uh, projects. So thank you for giving us some reading material on, on cloud adoption. And I, I dug around a little bit myself, you know, but a lot of the reason we're doing this, some of our listeners won't really know much about that as a, as a term. I feel like it's kind of a newer term. So maybe t- tell us about cloud adoption. What does that mean to you? So I'll take this one first. So from, from a technology perspective, cloud adoption, well, it can mean a lot of different things. Um, it can be something as very simple as, as utilizing you know, a particular SaaS product. But typically, when we talk about a cloud adoption project, it is an organization basically utilizing the resources or the technologies available in a public uh, or private cloud offering. Uh, So products like AWS, Google GCP, Microsoft Azure, things along those lines. Even Office 365 can be considered uh, kind of a cloud adoption project because we're utilizing resources that are outside of our organization. Cloud adoption really just kind of describes how we take an organization from their traditional IT approach uh, and transforming that into being able to utilize the functionality of the cloud. But beyond the technology, it's also how we manage people. That's probably the more difficult aspect of any cloud adoption is the people change. And that's that's where wonderful people like Nye come in and put together a great plan for how do we achieve cloud adoption? How do we take you know a traditional brick and mortar organization and enable it for light speed to go into the cloud and, and be able to utilize all those technologies? All right, great. And so Nye, from your perspective, from an OCM perspective, what does cloud adoption mean? What's special? Everything's special. Um, (laughs) The one thing that I found as a standout differentiator with cloud is that you're going from a very tangible IT experience where you've got this on-premise tech room of all sorts of gadgets and, and, and infrastructure and servers and things like that to something very intangible. And I think it's really hard for people to wrap their mind around that, number one, mm-hmm. because they've been so deeply involved in building the widget and customizing it to the specific needs of the organization. And what cloud really encourages a lot of people to do is to think about out-of-the-box functionality. And so all of these smart engineers and, and other folks that are you know, locked up in that tech room <laughs> are now trying to figure out, well, hey, if we can't touch it, own it, tweak it. What does that mean for our role? Mm-hmm. From the business perspective, we're thinking a lot about business agility. How do we become more responsive to the IT needs of our business? And so from an OCM perspective, we have to help our IT folks get over the hump of not being able to hold on to the thing that they've owned and 
worked mm -hmm. with for however many years. And we also have to respond to expectations around quick turnarounds from the business. And so I think IT is experiencing a lot more pressure. Mike, when you were describing cloud adoption, it was a very, it's like a pretty broad answer. Some of the research I was doing suggested that it was narrower, like it was more than just software as a service, platform as a service. You know, it was really transforming your existing solutions into, you know, working in the cloud. Some of the things you said made it sound a little broader. If you were trying to dive in with a client and help them understand that, would you sort of shape the answer to the client or do you have a, in your mind, sort of a, you know, an ideal answer for cloud adoption? Well, it's a very, like you said, it is a very diverse uh, subject and I think there are different ways of approaching it. It depends on which segment you're, you're really looking at. Is it B2B, B2C? Okay. Um, does it go B2B to C? You know, and, <laughs> and ultimately, you know, there, there's different ways of looking at it. You know, we get called in to work with clients all the time for, you know, traditional data center migrations. We, we have to lift and shift, um, you know, our workloads from our on-premise data center and we want to put them in the cloud. You know, and that's that's one use case scenario. Then the other use case scenario, well, we have we have this application that we're going to be marketing directly to consumers and we want to be able to develop uh, DevOps proc, you know, processes and and automated QA and things like that that will enable us to be able to deliver this application to our customers uh, online. So it, it really depends upon the client on how we approach it. But you know, usually it's a combination of both. It's all of a sudden that you unlocked the heavens, right? You've unlocked this <laughs> mana from heaven, right? Where you have this ability to utilize virtually any technology available, right? And then, like Nye was saying, wrapping their heads around it, how do we translate that into a, a, you know, a strategy? How do we look at what's the process we're going to be working through uh, in order to get our organization into the cloud, to utilize it, and to get the best results from it? Um, and I always start off with, you know, the, the idea that, you know, it's going to be a change. It's going to be a significant change, especially if you really want to get the benefits of it. And I think, you know, working with companies like Centric, working with people like Nye and myself, we really can get that business value across because we're, we're looking at all different aspects of you know, of the technology stack, right? We're looking at all four pillars mm -hmm. of a cloud adoption, right? We're looking at it from a financial perspective, from a sysops perspective, from a security perspective, and then from a development perspective, right? And you really have to cross all four of those domains when you come up with an adoption strategy. I go to organizations and I say, what's your, what's your cloud strategy? And the first thing they tell me is, well, cloud first, right? Now, cloud first is not a strategy. <laughs> cloud first is a slogan, okay? It's two, those are two <laughs> words, okay? Those don't get us to the cloud, okay? So developing a strategy is very involved and IT is changing. It, it has to change, right? And cloud really, forces that upon you because now as an IT professional, not only do I need to look at the technology side of it, um, I have to look at the financial side of it. All right. I have to look at the security side of it. I have to be able to enable my developers to go in and do what they need to do. The idea that we're going to adopt a cloud, you know, or cloud technology or whatever cloud platform it is, um, it, it really 
you know, we look at it as, okay, well, it's just a DevOps function, right? We want to be able to get our, our developers to be able to push codes, and we don't need all these infrastructure guys, and we don't need all these other disciplines um, to be able to contribute to that. And it, it really isn't just that. It's DevOps. It's like I said, it's all four aspects of it. Your organization has to become fluent in all, all of those different areas. Yes, you touched base there on uh, on benefits. Yeah, so from a technical perspective, the benefits of, of, of a cloud adoption program are you're at the cutting edge of technology, right? You don't have mm-hmm. to maintain that infrastructure anymore. Uh, you have the service offerings there laid out in front of you and served up to you in a, in a hopefully fairly easy mm-hmm. to use platform. Most of IT, a lot of IT, traditional IT is dealing with, with hardware, dealing with purchasing and you know, going through purchasing processes and getting hardware installed and, and all of those nightmares. Well, all that stuff goes away. Now, you still mm-hmm. will always have a little bit of hardware involved, and you'll have that life cycle review, and you'll have you know, licensing and mm-hmm. things like that, but really takes away all of that, all of that aspect, right? And it's the whole OPEX versus CAPEX argument or, or benefits, mm-hmm. right? You know, an adoption program is, is a fantastic way of getting out of the business of, of worrying so much about infrastructure, worrying so much about hardware, all of that stuff, and into a well, a utilization model, right? How much am I going to utilize? What services am I going to utilize to that type of model? So, and on top of that is is unlimited capacity, right? Numerous benefits, numerous benefits for cloud adoption. You know, I start to think about costs, but I really think that cost shifts from one bucket within um, within your balance sheet to something else. So in other words, you might not be responsible for some of the hardware and other parts of the infrastructure in-house, but you know, you're paying for that subscription elsewhere. And it's just a matter of where you want that responsibility to lie and how comfortable you are with it. So maybe part of it is just responsibility and and being able to shift that elsewhere. But from an, an OCM perspective, I think a big part of it is simply modernizing the culture as well as the skill set of the people who are typically managing this work. So, you know, you, mm-hmm. you re-up people's skills, you re-up people's training, and it helps to move the, the organization forward. I think another part of it is, is just probably around responding to the, the business's needs faster because you've got right. a lot Right, I was of- going to ask about that, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of code, there's a lot of applications that are now at your disposal that you can, you know, plug into with cloud as opposed to trying to build it in, in-house or um, trying to take a, a traditional approach. So those would be my my suggestions there. You know, something maybe also to touch on there, you, you know, the when you're re-upping people's skills, as you put it, then that energizes people usually. They're, they're yeah. more excited when they think they're learning something, they're developing, you know, they're not sort of stuck in old technology uh, that makes them makes them more excited, happier to come to work. Well, we hope so, but that transition, (laughs) Mike and I can tell you a little bit about that transition. That's really where the change management piece comes into play because, you know, if we're all honest, when we think about the work that we've done for however many years, 20 years in my case, you know, we're proud of that body of work. We've been doing it for a long time. We build a lot of confidence in learning and doing that work. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of shifting that or it's not hard for people to perceive it as being taken away is the tough part. Both the articles that I read, but also, you guys are very enthusiastic about cloud adoption. I, I'm hearing some of this and going, gosh, you guys are really drunk the Kool-Aid, right? There, there's, <laughs> it sounds like it will solve every problem. And, you know, including world hunger, this is, there's nothing, there's no drawbacks to it at all. Now, I, I ran across, I did find one article. It said there are some well-recognized barriers 
to cloud adoption and things like people read about security, you know, information security, control of that. If you're the loss of control of data, maybe legal restrictions on where data uh, is housed, cost of making transitions, some of those things. How legitimate are those concerns? Very legitimate. You know, we started working together for a client who was part of a major health network. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as you start talking about data for a health network, your first thought should be HIPAA. Right. Your first thought should be how conservative conservative do we need to be? So, you know, and going back to my point around modernizing skill sets, it's also modernizing the mindset or, or maybe just being comfortable with some degree of change with your security partners and making sure that they're on board and well aligned to this initiative. If they're not on board, if finance isn't on board, then there is no Kool-Aid to drink. Uh, you're dead in the water <laughs> at least for a while. We really work hard with all of the people involved to provide the best solutions, the best answers to all of the different questions and all the concerns. We can come up with a solution that's just as just as secure as you need it to be. You can have your data where you want it to be and we can overcome any of that. While they are valid concerns, they're not concerns that can't be overcome. Great. Earlier in the conversation, you talked about adoption strategy. So uh, let's say you're going into a new client. They're talking about, hey, you know, like to see what we can migrate to the cloud. How would you lay out an adoption strategy? You know, what are the sort of the steps of a, of a project around a, developing that strategy? You know, the way I look at it, it's always going to be outcome based, right? You're always going to look at what the end state is. What are we looking at? Mm -hmm. Are we going for a data center migration? Well, there's 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 definitely a lot that goes into um, you know data center migration when you're trying to cons you know consider moving all of your workloads out of a, of a place. But say for instance, if it's you know a few application workloads and things like that, I, I I love Jeffrey Moore's book Crossing the Chasm. If any of you guys have ever read that, you know I look at it. It was your standard distribution, right? You've got your innovators, your early adopters, mm -hmm. your early and late majorities, and you got your laggers, right? So, you know, the people that get on that, that are easy to get on board are your early adopters, and mm -hmm. they're the ones that you really want involved in the project. If you don't have early adopters or people with that type of mindset, you know, you're going to have a hard time getting this started. Like I said, you're going to have the ones that are really into it and that really want to adopt the technology and have, like, have already gone home and thought about nine different ways they can use mm -hmm. the cloud. I, I like to look at your, what, they, what they term the, you know, the pragmatist with pain, people that that have pain points, people that have deadlines coming up, okay? Those are the people that you want to get on board right off the bat. So basically, I, I always, you know, like the team approach, you start off with a small team, create the environment, you, you build up, you know, uh, all of your different platforms, your security, DevOps, and your SysOps, right? You get all those pieces in place first. Then you start test workloads that you can bring into place very simply. Um, I don't necessarily agree with like the low-hanging fruit approach. Low-hanging fruit are the easy workloads that you can move in and out. Well. That doesn't really give you a good test of what you what you're trying to do, right? They're good for proving out different things, different processes, and things like that. But the reason that a lot of people go for those is because they're easy, right? They don't necessarily solve anybody's problems. They don't necessarily uh, teach you anything about your environment. Approaching a cloud adoption, come up with a strategy that basically says, okay, we're going to take X number of X, load, uh, X number of workloads. We're going to create the environment. We're going to we're going to put all of these pieces into place. We're going to test out. We're going to do you know multiple different things to get this started, and then start working on on those types of projects that really 
can lead to greater adoption and greater acceptance by the rest of the You know, when we talk about adoption, it can go in so many different directions. So I was I was tracking with what Mike was saying, but I do have a, a slightly different spin on it. And, and hopefully this will um, get to what you were asking there, John. I think when we talk about adoption, a lot of it has to do with messaging. You know, what are mm-hmm. we doing and telling the story of why we're doing it? And so when we talk about adoption, we're usually thinking about the masses, but we really need to start with some folks at the top of the house to make sure that they're aligned or that they're ready to at least discuss what's holding them back from saying yes. And so again, we think about our security people in IT, we think about network people, we think about anybody whose roles may, who may be leading teams whose roles mm-hmm. will be impacted by this work, as well as our finance partners and other parts of leadership we're going to want to make sure that they understand our why and that they're on board with it. And then I think from that point, yes, we definitely need a group of pragmatists who are helping to head up, you know, what does the future look like within our organization for cloud and, and have them kind of lead us towards what are some of the questions, challenges that we're going to need to work through? How do we test that against any upcoming projects? So I really agree with a lot of what Mike said. I think that group to a large extent acts as a change network of sorts Mm -hmm. because they hopefully have the street cred within their respective areas to then share what's going on within this test group, if you will, and how they think this new cloud environment is going to cause their roles to adopt. And so at that point, we kind of move from business impacts to people impacts, role impacts, team impacts, and start to, to track along those lines. And from that point on, I think we start thinking about broader engagement, which really leads to end user adoption. What does the future look like and how do we play the long game for this? Because um, as Mike was alluding to, this could very well be a multi-year effort. This could be, you know, Mm -hmm. how do we start with one project today and then have it trickle out uh, or ripple out to other projects until we get to that ideal cloud first position um, that a lot of our clients ask for. So Adoption for me has a lot to do with how do we engage people, how do we b- help them build that new mindset, and what are some of the communications that need to occur to help bring them along? Yeah, that's that's very interesting to me. Everything I've read and, and a lot of even some of this discussion has definitely suggested cloud adoption as, as a very technical activity. But what I'm hearing from you guys is, no, this is all a change plan. I mean, everything you've just described is sponsor level down to a individual level you know this is impacting people it's impacting their organization and their skills and there's a lot of a lot of change going on there so where my original question about adoption strategy was going was let's say you're coming into a client client has not decided that they want to make a significant move to the cloud and they're like okay we have to do an assessment first of all we have to develop a strategy what's going what doesn't go? Here's our uh, our list. We got 100 applications. What's going to go? What isn't? Uh, how do we break that down? And how do you prove to me that this is going to be the, you know, an improvement to the to the organization? I can imagine that's sort of a project. And you've you've given some answers to that in terms of organizational support. But you know, in terms of some of the questions you'd ask, maybe technically or maybe functionally, how would you go through that sort of thing to to convince a skeptical client? So right now I'm in the midst of that. I'm working with a client that's doing a hybrid implementation of both cloud and Mm on-prem solutions. And this is not their first rodeo. They've been doing their best to move forward, but in an effort to go all cloud all the time, they've discovered that essentially 
the, the products that were on the market weren't quite mature enough for their needs. And so because they've had a few attempts at going all cloud or, you know, moving forward with this implementation, there's some skepticism, some very clear and direct skepticism as to whether this implementation is actually going to happen, whether this transition is indeed possible. And so a big part of my role is coming in and owning the communication plan to help convert the reluctant, if you will, or at least attempt to move them in that direction. And so one of the things that I did was I spent a lot of time meeting with individuals who are the main influencers for the project. In this case, these are actually track leads, people who own the work for specific modules of the project. I met with them to understand the history of their project. It was really helping me to assess what some of the social and the people, uh, other people pain points are and continue to be. And then also I wanted to hear the history of the roadblocks that they had encountered. And a big part of it, John, is honestly, mm -hmm. people want to know what progress is being made. And people want <laughs> less yeah. than shiny messages that say, hey, hooray, we've done this. They wanna know very practically, how far have we come? What problems do we expect to encounter and how do we navigate around it? And I think the transparency around what's working and what's not is super helpful. Because if we don't do that, in a lot of cases, we get to the big bang on, you know, cutover day, and then we encounter some significant issues that were known but not shared. I think transparency is really huge here. I think making sure that we understand the history of the organization and how they came to, the, to this particular juncture is really important. And I think ongoing drips of communication that say, this is, this is how we're doing and this is how healthy we feel the project is, is really, really critical. So most of the meetings that I lead start with um, a, a, a museum map, if you will, that says we are here. <laughs> Uh -huh. <laughs> it includes several points along the road to basically say we're on a journey and like any good road trip, any good vacation, you have a plan and an itinerary, but you know, some of the most fun you have is, is not, not actually on the schedule. Some of the, <laughs> the most memorable moments actually come from an unexpected detour that uh, helps you discover a couple of cool things, albeit not always fun things. But I think it helps to prepare people for the reality of how to play the long game. And that's a big part of the people change that Mike and I are touching on. Yeah, I would need that change help because as a project manager, you know, I, that, there's no such thing as a good surprise in a project. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> yeah, I'll go for serendipity on my, on my vacations, but uh, not on my projects. Getting to why is, is probably one of the bigger, you know, challenges of coming in and proposing Thing, you know, with a cloud adoption proposal or a cloud project, um, you really have to understand the company's motivators. Um, why are they doing this? Um, and then you have to really, you know, from a, from my perspective as a, an architect coming into maybe meeting a new client, I really want to get an understanding of how, how things are working with their current environment, what works, what doesn't work. You know, is it, is it broken? Do we fix it? Do we, do we not fix it? Do we, move ahead and, and you know go with the cloud adoption. So those are some of the things I look at. When, when you start solving issues like that or problems like that or coming up with roadmap on how to achieve those, to reduce or eliminate those pain points, then you can really see where the value of it comes in. All right, so I have a couple of sort of Dilbert pointy-haired boss questions here. First of all, is there a, like a one-stop shop solution for cloud adoption or is this really a 
a custom analysis, custom architecture, you know, for every organization? From my perspective, there's not really a one-stop shop for it. Just about every every provider, every cloud provider at this point has some type of cloud adoption framework that they've put mm-hmm. together. And it's like any framework. You really have to look at it, take the parts that fit and, and forget about the parts that don't fit. You really have to kind of consider as a, as a cloud provider, I have to make my, my, my adoption framework as generic and as broad fitting for every possible customer, right? So it's not always going to fit. You're always going to have to customize it. Yeah, I don't know if there's a one-stop shop. And and maybe we're thinking from the technical standpoint, but definitely from a change management perspective, we'd want to follow the principles of the change process for sure. But we probably want to understand the current environment, the history of that environment, and the specific groups or stakeholders that would be impacted by that implementation. So it would be really hard to have that out of the box the standard pieces would just be to follow the change process as a right. general principle. Yeah. Yeah. Watch out when project managers start diving into technical details. Um, but my assessment of why there isn't any one sort of one-stop shop is that there isn't just one solution, right? There, there might be, hey, we want to do sort of a lift and shift for an application. Another example might be we're going to switch to a software as a service and get rid of an on-premises application. There might be something else where we're just looking for cloud storage. So you kind of have to come up with these different solutions almost based on the the different application or the different business function, right? So it's it's not like simply copying everything from, I'm going to go really old school here. It's not copying from your, your DASD, uh, you know, and putting it out on the cloud. There's a lot of you know, there are a lot of other things about how the application will function that will really come into play. Is that about right? Yeah. When we start a cloud adoption project, we, we'd like to break it down into different segments, right? Because you're going to have storage solutions and you've got your infrastructure. So, you know, we, we really like to break it down into each hall have their own different solutions. And depending on what technologies and which which solutions fit best or which services fit best for those solutions, you know, we'll, we'll come up with a plan for each of those. And attack them in the best, you know, the best way that we can. Okay. And then the second point you heard, boss question, this sounds like it's always a big multi-year effort. Is that right? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It doesn't have to be. And it does. It doesn't have to be. Uh, I'll just. Uh, I'll. I'll disagree on that. That it, to that extent. Okay. It doesn't have to be. It. And, it, and it's going to be client dependent. You're going to have different sized organizations that, if you've got a large enterprise, yeah, you're you're talking about a multi-year effort, thousands of servers, you know, hundreds of different applications. You know, you're, you're definitely talking about a long-term process. You move everything in a couple of weeks, but it's the organizational change that's the uh, the challenge. Yeah, yeah, I was just saying that, yeah, it's easy enough to, to say, okay, we're going to migrate everything and we can throw everything up into uh, a cloud within a couple of weeks, um, but you're not changing anything. You're not changing the organization. You're not changing your processes. You're just going to end up with a big headache, um, a big mess up in, up in the cloud, and then you've not really solved anything. From a from a estimation perspective or you know a way of looking at it it's definitely a multi-year project of, of learning how to do things in the cloud and getting the best out of the cloud and that's really where the focus should be is getting good at cloud i like the idea you know getting good at cloud and i'm trying to translate here for uh people listening in what does that mean to sort of be good at cloud if just translucing things over to running from the cloud to cloud storage 
is just going to move my mess from on-prem to off. What else do I really need to do? What is what makes for good cloud? Uh, I'm going to put this in in my order. It may not be everybody's order. The number one thing uh, that you want to have, you want to be good at, uh, is the financial ops, financial ops operations because the first thing that people are going to see is the bill and the sticker shock is going to be the first thing that's going to either make or break your cloud environment and you head that off by setting expectations really right if you're running in a hybrid you're, you're always going to have double costs um, for at least a short amount of time but then getting good at security making sure that your security ops are in place Make sure that your your fundamentals are good, that you know exactly where your weak spots are, that it fits within your security plan. And then from there, you know, your sysops and then your devops, making sure that you can deliver code, make sure that you can maintain the systems that they're being backed up or that the high availability, you know, whatever that that entails. So that that's, that would be my order of things. So Okay, maybe I can summarize that of the key thing is, you know, we're transposing things to the cloud, but the real value is in changing our supporting operations to make the optimal use of it. So if it took us three weeks to stand up environments before we're standing up in, you know, 30 minutes now, if we're, you know, all those different things that took so much effort, if we were able to realign ourselves properly, we're saving tons of time and it gives us better better speed to a new solution for the business. And that's really where the 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 goal is, if I'm if I'm hearing that correctly. Yeah. Is that absolutely. about right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yep. Cool. Honestly, reading some of these things about cloud adoption is kind of like reading about uh, agile methodology, which is yes. the people who are going to write about it are never going to say anything bad about it, but they won't explain what it is. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the last question for both of you guys is, is cloud adoption inevitable? Is everything going to go to the cloud? It's just a matter of when. Jeez, I really don't know how to answer that. I don't know. I don't know. Mike, do you have a better insight on that? <laughs> yeah, I I think it is inevitable. You know, it, it'll it'll be a, a sea change, basically. You know, where where that percentages shift to where you've got just about everything running in the cloud. There there will still be resistant pockets, but I think for the majority of IT organizations, you're all you're going to have some footprint in the cloud. Uh, I think that's I think that's just inevitable. I think it's going to be it's an eventuality that technology is driving us in that direction anyways, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you've got application providers, there your software developers, they're all they're all designing things for the cloud. So you've got Microsoft pushing for the cloud. Uh, eventually, everything will be running from my, from from the cloud from a Microsoft perspective. Whether everything goes to the cloud, who knows? We, we probably need to have this conversation in about five years from now and, and, and <laughs> throw some bets out there now and, and come back and see how accurate we are. I think the majority of businesses will probably go to cloud, but I think those cl- those businesses that have highly sensitive data, in some cases, uh, might be slow adopters. Well, yeah, I've, I think my last four or five clients have all been financial institute or uh, insurance related clients, and they've all still got a, an old my, IBM mainframe in the basement. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm not saying there's no way to put that in the cloud. I'm sure someone's figured that one out. But these are people running applications that are 30 years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's a, a lot of hoops to get them to any sort of migration. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there's always a Milton in every project, right? For my, exactly. Uh, <laughs> my office space reference, right? There you go. <laughs> yeah. We love office space. I gotta find the Miltons, you know. 
All right. So we're about out of time here. Closing thoughts. Nine. At the end of the day, it's about bringing people along on the journey. And there's a huge organizational change piece that goes with it. And, and making sure that you're well aligned with the business is also part of that organizational change in some cases. Great. Mike? Absolutely agree with Nye. That's 50% of the equation, if not a little bit more. Focus on all four, four aspects of the cloud. Don't just focus on a technology aspect. Don't think it's going to be all DevOps. You know, a lot of your workloads don't necessarily lend well to DevOps. So you're going to have to accommodate for that. Go in with it with a financial plan. Go into it thinking that you're going to need a security plan and then an operations plan. This has been Centric Viz and Tech Talks. Thanks to Nye and Mike for joining us today, and thank you for listening.